What is going on guys? My name is Mac. Across from me, lifelong friend, basketball connoisseur, Garrett Howe. This is the Press Breaker Podcast. Welcome to the first edition of the Press Breaker Podcast. Hopefully this goes well, it works out, and you'll hear be hearing from us at least once a week. Speaking of hearing, you're definitely going to be hearing Sniffly Boy Mac over here. Just got done with the sinus infection, so it is what it is. Not bad about that. But yeah, today, good day to start the podcast. We have the 2021 NBA Finals coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Central. And uh, what do you think about it, Gert? Um, I really want the Suns to win, but I think the Bucks have a really good chance to get the old gentleman sweep out because... At the end of the day, uh, as much as I hate Giannis with a burning passion in my heart, he and Chris Milton and Drew Hall, they are all really good defenders, like elite-level defenders, and the Suns really don't have one. So I just think it's really going to be a problem for the Suns. I don't know, man. I think you could classify Mikel Bridges. I think he's there. I think he's basically there as an elite defender. He's close. He did get some all- all first team defensive votes this year. Yeah, he did. He, so he is he's a, making a name for himself, but and as for Giannis, I don't know, man. I just see him he dodges a lot on defense now. It's like he earned that title elite defender and now it's just kind of an ego booster and it feels like he doesn't have to play defense anymore. The amount of times I've been watching them over this postseason run and he'll be assigned a certain player to guard and he just kind of runs away is Kind of nuts, and to be an MVP caliber player and an elite defender, I just really don't like seeing that from a guy that is supposed to be the guy. That's fair. He has been dodging this postseason, but you also have to think, even if he wasn't dodging, the players he would have to guard are still going to get a bucket, so people would still probably try and uh, doubt his defense. But at the end of the day, if he's guarding Kevin Durant or... LeBron, who he didn't have to guard, but still, they're going to score. Like Regardless of how, what kind of defense he plays, they're going to get a bucket, most likely. That's true. It's the same thing if somebody's trying to guard Giannis. I don't like his game offensively, but at the end of the day, if he wants to get to the rack and get a bucket, he can. It doesn't matter who's on him. Yeah, that, that's true. I noticed that a lot with Kawhi Leonard. I know that doesn't really go along with the uh, finals at all, but I noticed that with Kawhi Leonard. He, he does step up. As soon as that fourth quarter, I don't know, he turns into a different animal when the fourth quarter comes on. He just defends whoever. He basically plays 1v5. He doesn't really care. But over the regular season and uh, during the first round, especially the playoffs, he had that sort of ego boost to him where he thought he didn't have to defend anybody. He was better than that. And I noticed Kawhi Leonard being a lot more toxic this season when it came to Patrick Beverly. I really don't think that man likes Patrick Beverly anymore. He said... Ty Lu, get this man out of L.A. How could anybody like Patrick Beverly? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like Marcus Smart, you know? He's one of those guys where <clears throat> you love to have him on your team, kind of like Kyle Lowry. You know, my team, the Raptors, I love having him, but everybody else seems to hate him. And I mean, that he just falls into that echelon of players like Patrick Beverly, Marcus Smart, Kirk Heinrich. That's a throwback. What a what a pull. You young ones don't know about that one. But, uh... Learn. But, yeah, it kind of fits into that tier where, like, if you have them, you like them. If you don't have them, you hate them. What do you think the Suns have to do to win the finals? Well, I'm looking at my handy-dandy notepad here of my postseason stats. I think, for one, I think Mikel Bridges needs to score a little more. Uh, he's too damn young and too damn good. 
to not be scoring 14, 15 points a game. He's averaging 10.8 in the playoffs right now. Unsure on his field goal percentage. I'm sure it's good. He's an efficient guy. Uh, but I think him and campaign need to step up. I'm not going to say Cam Johnson needs to step up because that's my boy, UNC, you know. But he probably does need to step up a little bit. But. You can't take him out of that just because he went to the college you like. Yeah, he needs true. to hit more threes, too. And he was showing a little bit of that in this last series with the uh, Clippers. Yeah, a couple of those games he came in had over ten points each game, and he was shooting efficiently. He's yeah. kind of taking the reins there of that bench uh, three point shooter, and it was really good to see because it, it's kind of funny. I just told you when we watched the game two that he really needed to step up for them to win, and there he was. Yeah, he started he hitting is, those threes. I definitely think, uh, which I don't know, I'll get your opinion on it in a second, but I think in terms of X factors, I think for the Bucks to be able to win this series. I think their X factor is Drew Holiday. And I say that because everyone knows, if you've been watching basketball over the last 10 years, Drew Holiday is a man. He is a scorer. He is a defender. He is a shooter. He can literally do it all from the guard position. But I feel like he knows he has Chris Middleton with him. He knows he has Giannis with him. And so I think he gets scared and kind of degrades himself on a scoring platform. He's averaging 17.6 in the playoffs, which are a little inflated because Giannis missed those two games, and those two games he happened to step up. So realistically, he's averaging probably like 15 and a half, 15 points a game. And I just feel like he can do more than that, and I think he will need to do more than that. I agree. Drew Holiday, to me, has always been a 20-plus guy, and he really started uh, touting his defense as elite uh, in the series when he was on the Pelicans four or five years ago and had to uh, guard Dame and really put him to to rest, and I think that's what he'll do to Chris Paul. I think that he is just too big of a guard, and he's too long. Not that Chris Paul won't be effective, but I think his... Chris scoring, Paul's going to be Chris Paul yeah, at the end of His the day. scoring numbers will be down a little, but I think what really will come into play is his efficiency will be a lot lower, and he'll probably have a couple more turnovers than he would against any other guard trying to handle him. I agree. And if you remember, I can't remember what year it was, like 2011, 2012, Drew Holiday, fresh in the league on the 76ers. He had to guard Rondo in that, I think it was first-round matchup, and took him to Game 7. I think Boston was the first seed, and uh, Philadelphia was the eighth seed when they had him, Iguodala, and uh, I think Spencer Hawes was their starting uh, center. Dear Who? God, Spencer Hawes, exactly. dude, exactly. Double zero. Uh, but, like, even as a young gun... He went up against one of the best guards in the league at the time in Rondo. And if Rondo didn't hit those two big threes at the end of the game in that game seven, Philadelphia might have got out of that. Yeah. And that, Drew Holiday, is kind of a different breed than the one we have now. That one was a really scoring-focused guard. Mm-hmm. So that's how he made his all-star appearance in 2012 or 13. I can't remember, but yeah, he was young. It was all about the buckets. Yeah, it was. And, uh trying to think what else here. Now he just has the arm length of Anthony Davis, essentially. And so he just gets to any steal, gets in any passing lane whatsoever. He also has two more shots. Yeah. There's a lot of games against the, uh, who did they play? Why did I forget? The Hawks. Where he was like 4 or 15 or 4 or 16 or something. And it's just like, I mean, he's not a volume shooter, so he has to hit what he's got. Yeah. Like if he has a, he needs to only miss three or four shots a game being like, what he is for that team. Yeah, 
and I hate to relate it back to the Raptors because they were dog poop this season, but that's what I like about Kyle Lowry is that he'll go one of six or one for seven in a game and he'll just stop shooting. He'll find ways to be efficient elsewhere. I think Drew Holiday needs to do that because I think it's opposite ends of the spectrum for him. He's either too scared because he has Giannis and Chris Middleton and doesn't want to do anything, or he gets gassed up and decides to do too much, and that can eventually you know, lose your team the game. I agree. Let's talk about Devin Booker, the young man that everybody is happy to finally see in the playoffs. He's been in the league 10 years and still somehow 24 years old or 25, however <laughs> old he is. I swear, like, I think I thought I was in middle school when that dude got into the league, but no, apparently not. He's making waves now. He's about he to, is. I think, I hope they win their first finals. I really, dude, just, I would love for them to get one. What yeah. a storyline for you to be the worst team in the league. Four years and ago. I'll be honest. I'll be completely honest with you. I've been a Devin Booker hater since he got into the league. I thought he was just an over-glorified scorer on the worst team in the league. I thought his game meant nothing. I thought it wasn't going to translate into any success. But he is, however old he is, 25, 24, however old he is. He's 24. 24. Averaging 27 points on a finals-bound team. 27 points a game. You got six and a half rebounds. Rounded up to five assists. Dude can flat out play. And I think a lot of it has to go to Chris Paul because he came into this team mentored probably every single guard on the team because that's all he does is mentor people and when he's on the court he just sauces everybody because he's Chris Paul. Uh, And I think that's where you can really see Devin Booker's game accelerate because Chris Paul just knows how to tap into the potential of players. He did it with Shea. He uh, he did it with the other guard that he was with in uh, Houston who was their backup guard. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. What year was that? 2018, I think? 2017? I cannot remember for the life of me who their backup guard was. He's clearly doing it with campaign because the Bulls thought after two practices, campaign didn't even belong on a G League team. Yeah. And here he is making an impact. I mean, he scored 31 against the Clippers. That strikes out. That's a homegrown fella right here. That's a homeboy, yeah. From Murray State. Shoes up, baby. I mean, I'll be honest, too. He did not. I did not think out of the three or four that have come out, he would be the one that's going to make the finals first. Oh, yeah, no. There's no shot. No. But then again, you have to realize, end of the bench kind of player for a lot of years. He'll probably end up on some sort of contender because he'll just take the $490,000 lowest level exception or whatever you call it. Speaking of ending up on a contender, Jay Crowder back again. Always around. <laughs> always he's always around. on the contenders. He's honestly, he there's a good chance he's the best role player in the NBA right now. Solidly, yeah. Like, when he was on the Celtics, he was kind of that guy, and he didn't really excel. Moved into more of a bench role on his next team, which he's literally the rainbow man. I don't know what the uh, order of so his teams are. So he went to Cleveland after Boston, and then he went to Utah. I believe. Utah was after all that? I thought uh-huh. Utah was his first team. Utah, Utah was after, I believe, the Celtics and the Cavs. Was he on the Hawks at any point? No, but he <laughs> okay. was on, in the last three years, two years, he's been on the Grizzlies, Heat, and the Suns. That's crazy. But yeah, he was really good for the Heat last year, and this year he just turned it up a little bit more when it came to his role status. He, uh, I don't know how many minutes a game he averages, probably 26, 27, something like that. But 
he gets the nod. He's a good defender, good scorer. He's efficient. He's not going to do too much with the ball. And he's really just a guy that you want around a star player like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Speaking of DeAndre Ayton. He's been averaging 27 minutes a game this season. 27 minutes a game. Thanks, Quinn. Uh, But DeAndre Ayton, man. Most consistent player in the league. Yeah, he's got to be. I mean, we all watched him uh, in that Kentucky Lake Showcase a couple years ago. And he didn't look too good. No, he, he did not impress me. He for, did uh, not. I think seven footer in high school basketball. Yeah, seven footer in high school basketball. And I think he came out to uh, to our high school and he played. I think he had like what fifteen points. Was not impressive. Yeah, and then he went story. to Arizona and he was absurd. Yeah, absolute beast. And he was drafted number one overall, right? Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. he was yeah. number one. And overall. now, if if he doesn't get you. 20 and 12, then there's a problem. Yeah. That's pretty much what he's going to give you every single night, and Brooke Lopez is going to have his hands full. But DeAndre Ayton will also have his hands full. Yeah. Because you wouldn't know it because the Bucks throw him on a three-point line all the time, but Brooke Lopez has some game inside. Oh, yeah. He can cause some problems down there. Hey, that Brooklyn, Brooke Lopez, oh, man, the footwork was insane. He he never stepped out to the three-point line. He put his back to the basket. He completely manhandled anybody that tried to post him up, and he would get you so many points a night. So many blocks, too. Like, even this year, I think he's averaging, like, 2.3 blocks a game in the postseason, which is nuts to me. Can DeAndre Aiden shoot? Yes. Um, yeah. It's ugly, but he can a little bit. Because I was going to say, what what makes him different than, like, the typical seven-footers in the league that people are starting to throw away and be and dispose of because they are just too tall and can only score in the paint? Because I think it's because DeAndre Aiden. He legitimately wants to play and legitimately wants to get better. I think the problem with centers in the league are today, they get stuck into one frame of play. They get stuck to one job and one job only, and they don't. And the coaches, the staff, the front office, they don't let them play. But as you saw with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, the front office lets them play, lets them play the game how they want to play it. And they're MVP caliber players. Jokic just won MVP. And I think that's that's really the difference is because you get to the players like Rudy Gobert, who is the best defender in NBA history because he shut down the whole league. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> he he blocks shots, and yeah, he'll, he'll score a little bit under the rim. But you can just kind of tell when he plays, he doesn't really want to be there. It's almost like the front offices put him in a position to be scared to have the ball. Yeah. It's like, so pretty much what, after what you've been saying, you have to, to be a big, you have to have a front office that supports you all the way through and will let you do how whatever your game is. And there's not a lot of front offices that do that. So Rudy Gobert's problem is he's in the front office where all they care about is Donovan Mitchell. Fair. Donovan, nah. But, we'll get into that later. Later. But uh, so <laughs> he day. is in a position to play defense and catch alley-oops, and that's it and get broken down on pick-and-roll switches. And get absolutely destroyed by DeMar DeRozan in 2016. What a pull again. <laughs> Anything to do with the Raptors, you've got it on tap yeah. out here. Yeah, don't worry. When we have a Raptors episode, don't worry. I'm that guy. Oh, man. Uh, but, okay. So I'm going to ask you something. Mr. Gertie here. Gertie Squirty. My guy. What do you think about a lineup that consists of Drew Holiday, Bryn Forbes, we all know Bryn Forbes can shoot that pill, 
Oh, and then you run Chris Middleton at the three, and then you have Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez in at the four and the five, a lineup that doesn't consist of Giannis, but if I'm not mistaken, was a lineup that was used a lot in the game six against the Hawks that Giannis was out of. It might not have been Bryn Forbes at the uh, two. It might have been I, Pat Connaughton. Probably, probably Pat. Yeah, it might have been Pat Connaughton. Who I never thought would stay in the but league for more that, than a year. But that team right there, that lineup looks better than a lineup with Giannis in it. And I know that's incredibly disrespectful to say because Giannis is an MVP and you know one of the greatest scorers of today. But you have to think, Giannis is one-dimensional. If he is not taking his giant-ass Greek footsteps across <laughs> across the court and just absolutely dunking on your best defender, he doesn't really have a place. You I know mean, what I mean? There was that whole video of him going around on Twitter in the first round where he was trying to get in his bag, per se. Yeah. And he literally dribbles at the speed of a grandma. He has no head movement. He has His hands are slow. He, he can't do anything with the ball. And now he's at the point where like people want him to shoot, but he can't shoot. But since people want him to shoot, he shoots more than he should. So instead of taking two or three threes a game, he takes like six or seven. And that's just a wasted possession. Like more of a wasted possession than there probably is in the NBA right now. I was yeah. I was listening to a sports podcast that said that Giannis is the number two on that team and Chris Middleton is the number one. See, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's Chris Middleton's team, dude. You give Chris Middleton the green light and he did it in that they played the Heat in the first round, right? Yes. I was playing. I was watching game two, I believe. I think it was game two when he hit the buzzer beater to win. Was that game two or was that game one? Can't remember. Anywho, doesn't really matter. He has the ball in his hands at the end. And he has not. the green light. He is going to score. Everybody talks about how Devin Booker is like the next Kobe. You know, plays just like Kobe, back to basket, fades, one steppers. That boy, Chris Middleton, can shoot. And not only can he shoot, he can create his own shot. And when he creates his own shot, it more than likely goes in. Uh, I mean, there was once in the Hawks series where, I think it was game three, that he single-handedly put the Hawks in the grave that night. He had 20 in the fourth quarter. I had walked into my house, and I was kind of watching the game and asked how it, going, how it was going. My sister said, oh, Chris Middleton's railed off of 14 straight. I said, okay, <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, it was like a two-point game at that point before he started scoring, and then he just single-handedly put him down, and that was it. Do you guys think he's actually the number one, or he's only the number one because Giannis is on that team? Giannis is probably the actual number one, but oh, because yeah, yeah, of his yeah. Giannis limited, is the number one option. Yeah, his limited skill set. Chris Middleton yeah. has to step up, and it looks yeah. like he's the number one sometimes. It reminds me of, and I God, I hate to bring it up again, but that's all I can relate to. The Raptors. <laughs> Always the Raptors, <laughs> well, dude. No, 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 look, look, look. Before, I believe you. I'm the season before Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse was the head coach, and it was still Dwayne Casey when he won Coach of the Year and still didn't get fired. Uh, there was this new offense that they had that they had rounded up per Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse was the creator of that offense, and it was put the ball in DeMar DeRozan's hands, but if he wasn't cutting it, you put it into your other scorer's hands, like Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, etc., and I think, I think they need to experiment that with the Bucks, and I think they are. I think that's a really good thing that they're doing right now. If Giannis isn't cutting it to give the ball to Chris Middleton, and I don't think I've seen an instance yet where Chris Middleton gets the green light and it doesn't work. And worst case, he's going to move the ball to Drew Holiday or Brooke Lopez. It's not like I think that was the big thing with them bringing Drew Holiday in is now if Chris Middleton can't hit, if Giannis can't hit, that's okay. You give the ball to Drew Holiday, he's either going to get a shot or he'll create a shot for somebody else. It's not going to be. 
as uh, one dimensional. Yeah. It's not going to be this one dimensional straight give the ball to Giannis if you shoot 60 shots a night and only hit eight of them, whatever, you know, take the L and go home. They actually have insurance policies. But I still just think that the Milwaukee Bucks are a great team. They are. They're obviously they're in the finals. They had tough competition in every single series. But I think the problem is, is you can't give Giannis these people around him and not conflict. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Drew Holiday can defend, which fits Giannis. Can shoot, which fit, which fits Giannis. Mm-hmm. But he can also create his own shot. And same with Chris Middleton. Same with Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton's nowhere near the level, but he can, he can create hit his own shot. He'll hit his own. PJ Tucker can hit a three too. PJ Tucker. He, they've got people Tucker, all around Giannis yeah, now. PJ Tucker is a threes. perfect fit because, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the best corner shooter in the league percentage wise. He definitely used to be, and I'm not going to doubt it now. Yeah. Uh. So he's one of the best, if not the best. And I just think if you sub Giannis out with a star that's below his caliber but fits this team better, I think the team is better. I essentially think Giannis is, he obviously makes the team. He's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's the MVP caliber player. But I think he also hurts the team in a lot more ways then he helps the team because he really only helps the team in two fashions, which is under the basket scoring and defending. He can rebound too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He can pretty rebound. much, regardless of if Giannis ever gets a shot, if he would just incorporate a Ben Simmons or LeBron style top uh, style type passing, that would add a ton to the oh, box. Yeah, would. Then I would probably not slander him as much as I do because yeah. I mean he would actually be a help. Right now he's a black hole. On the court, I'm not sure about PJ Tucker being the best corner three point shooter in history, but there is an article that says Draymond Green said that PJ Tucker might be the best corner three point shooter in NBA history. So oh, there is I, some water to it. Yeah, I, I didn't mean in history. I just meant in the league right now. Well, Draymond says Draymond is time. smart guy too. He's he knows his basketball. He may be falling off on the court, but he does have a good basketball brain. IQ is very yeah. high. It's kind of like Rondo. Yeah. Rondo may be getting older and getting a little worse, but his IQ is absurd. I need to see Draymond and Rondo coaching. That is for sure. I don't know if that'll work out, though, you know, because sometimes the player the player can't be a coach. For example, I think Jason Kidd is continuing to being, being wasted on these coaches, coaching positions. I don't think he's it. I don't think he's it. Yeah. Uh, but I think also for the Bucks. Bobby Portis is... Big time right now. He's big time right now, and they need to get as much out of him as possible this season and next season because he's making $3.5 million a year. And in today's NBA, if you're a decent player, that is like, dirt cheap. You're making like 10 if, or 11. Dude, if you're a decent player, you're asking for $20 million in free agency. It's, it's nuts. Like, the fact that Tyler Hero wanted $32 million a year at the end of his rookie contract, it's nuts. But he sucks right now. <laughs> he does. But Bobby Portis being on such a cheap contract is huge for him. Brooke Lopez, he showed in that final Hawks game that he can get down low and he can score under the bucket. He uh, really hurt my man Clint Capella. I didn't realize Clint Capella was such a scrawny man. I thought he had a little more muscle to him, but Brooke Lopez, been trying to tell you, bro, Brooke Lopez sure did put I've him in the dirt. Trying to tell you. I was very sad. But... Brooke Lopez, everybody knows he gets out on the wing, somehow just hits every single three he shoots, it feels uh-huh. like. Did he lead the league in three-pointers made that first season he shot them? I, he started shooting them all? That sounds familiar. 
when will you get us a what's the what's the question? Did Brooke Brook Lopez ever lead the league in three pointers made? Because I'm pretty sure he hit like if not, he was top three. He was that year on the Bucks when he started just pulling them. I'm pretty sure he. Bro, he sure was he pulling didn't. like 29 footies too. Oh man, he scored like 40. One night, oh, I I'm, no pretty, I'm pretty sure he scored no 40 like or 50 one night because he just was just racking them up. He, yeah, he he sure is nuts from three, which is weird because that's the total opposite Brook Lopez that I've watched growing up. And uh, I think also that applies for Chris Paul. We're not really seeing the Chris Paul that we're used to growing up yet. Like obviously he's still playmaking, but his offense is. Which is weird to say because he's older. His offense is a lot faster paced now. It's almost better in a way because he's got somebody, he's got two people he does not have to worry about. Yeah. Like back in the day when he was on the Clippers, he had to worry about Blake Griffin a little bit. Like he, Blake Griffin was not the proficient scorer at the age Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are now. He was like more of a liability to Chris because Chris, like everybody wants Blake Griffin to get a shot, but Chris is like, if I pass it to this guy, it's not going to end up that way. Yeah. A weird stat that I remembered from high school was, I think, in Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan's first, like, three seasons together, I think they made a total of, like, 108 jump shots from outside the paint in three seasons. Imagine the difference in the NBA back then to right now. It's been, like, six or seven years. The absolute like, blistering pace nowadays. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The pace kills me. I wish it was a little slower, but I do too. But I like I like the defense. Yeah, but without back to what I was again. back to what I was saying about Chris Paul. Uh, old boy, back in Los Angeles, he you know he'd get down on the high block, and he'd be sizing up his defender one step, you know one step take off to the right, pull up for a jump shot, and it'd just be cash. And yeah, he still does that. That's probably his signature shot. But today. He seems uh, more nimble on his feet. He seems like he wants to do the elusive four or five dribble breakdowns, you know, the double moves, the triple moves, and that's how he gets open, and that's how he gets his shot, which is nuts because I guess it makes sense because he was so explosive when he was younger that all it took was one dribble, one move, and he was there. He got his shot. He got to his spot. But now seeing him with Phoenix – and I, I think it's also because the defense has to respect him a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Because not only can he be explosive and get to a spot and get a shot up, but he can pass it to the corner to DeAndre Ayton to knock down a three, or he can pass it to the wing to Devin Booker for him to create. And then you also have the other corner with Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, top of the key campaign, and Cam Johnson. Hey, poor Craig, somebody that can come off, off the bench, too. I couldn't believe really the Bucks let him go hey, for whatever it reason. It doesn't matter, dude. Torrey Craig is cruising this series because he gets a ring no matter what. That's right. He started the season with the Bucks, that. and now he's on the Suns. I didn't really get why they let go of him, but I guess it's worked out. He obviously didn't fit their rotation somewhere. Yeah. Though. I mean, he doesn't uh, really play much in the Suns either, but I feel like it helps to but have But he, he plays valuable minutes, though. Mm-hmm. The PT that he gets is valuable. He probably only averages like eight or nine minutes a game, but when he's in there, you don't feel... You know, like back in the day, you were like, oh, man, Torrey Craig's in the game. But now you're like, okay, Torrey Craig's in the game. We might not go down by 20 in two minutes. So. I can't believe Dario's helping out either. I kind of thought once he left the Sixers, that was kind of uh, his his, his decline. He's he's, he's averaging some points. Eh, 4.8. First member of the process to make the 
make the finals, though. First, yeah. remember the process to make the finals. How about that? Yeah. Dario yeah, Saric. That's true. That is very true. Oh, the process. What a waste. Will the process ever, Maybe. ever be fulfilled? Maybe. They're spending a whole lot of time on the journey and not worrying about the destination. That's really all I've got to say. Sorry, so, sorry about the Brook Lopez stat. All I can find is that he only trails Steph Curry, Trey Young, and Damian Lillard on baskets from 28 feet out or further. Dude, I'm telling you, dude, bro, that guy is pulling up from Manitoba, Canada. Dude, I'm pretty sure uh, Robin Lopez also started trying to pull this year. I don't think it worked out. I think I saw a lot of uh, Dwight Howard uh, style uh, air balls. Oh my goodness, but he did his best. I. Brooke Lopez shooting threes is just an enigma to me. I don't get it. it. Yeah, it's like a phenomenon. Like I you go to some parallel it, universe. You know, like you you know, like Rick, his uh, little portal gun, you yeah. just drop in there and you go into a reality and Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez is just banging is banging threes. All, for the no time. All the time. Damian Lillard, seven foot five and the best big man in the league. Mm. What is your series prediction? What do you think? Give me your give me your games. Who get Suns get game one and two, right? Like, at home, it's at Phoenix for game one and two? Or is it at Milwaukee? See, that's a big... Wait, who was number one seed in the East? It was the Sixers, right? Yeah. Then Phoenix gets it, because Phoenix is number one. No. It's at the Suns. Yeah, Phoenix is number two. Okay, so Phoenix gets game one and two. I think Phoenix clean up game one and two very easily. I think they've been extremely good at home this postseason. But they've also been extremely good on the road this postseason. So, I think, and I think it also all boils down to how many games Giannis is going to miss. I'm pretty sure he's only going to miss game one. Because and he might he not got, miss game one. Right yeah, now, right he, now he's questionable around, right now. Yeah, they turn him around to a game time decision after shooting around the day. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I only saw that he went so, to questionable. Yeah, okay, so, uh, so they said he went to shoot around, they came to game time decision. So, I mean, what, what he's had like a... Almost a week-long break now, too. Yeah. I'm sure he's fresh. My heart says Phoenix. I want Phoenix to win so bad. But Me too. my brain says Milwaukee. Just, But to be fair, I thought Milwaukee was going to sweep Atlanta, and they did not do that. Yeah, they did not. Trey Young was good, but also Bogdanovich has really played really well. John Collins played well. Uh, Kevin Huerter. Kevin Huerter. He's he's a man. I want to see him get a bag when his contract is up. He I'm is he is a he's a good guy. He is a good player. Best ginger in NBA history. Mm. Ooh, come on! You know Brian Scalabrini's got to be up there. Gross. He does have a ring on Kevin Herter does not. So one point one minutes a game ring, but it's a ring. Uh, I'm taking Phoenix four two, four three because I really want to see game seven finals. See, I think. I'm pretty much split. I get. I think if Phoenix wins, it's going seven. But I wouldn't I could, be. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. I'll just. Yeah. I'll just say it like so that. So I think Phoenix's only way to win is a seven in seven games. But I think the Bucks could win in five, six, or seven. Like yeah. their roster compared to Phoenix is much more menacing to me because they have somebody to guard everybody on the Suns. Yeah. Which and the Suns do not have that luxury. Yeah. But. I don't know. Um, mm, mm, mm. Suns and four. I would love Suns and four. Suns and four would be great. But yeah, I think, well. I think something I noticed about Phoenix that always gives me some hope. They never panic. 
That's true. Like, they were down. because they got Chris Paul, man. That's true. He's and they got Monty, man. Monty's a good coach. Underrated. Probably yeah. properly rated by the end of this year if they win, but yeah. we don't really talk about him. All right. So, I just got to ask you this. Mm-hmm. We can we can end it on this because I don't really know what else to talk about, but we can end it on this. Milwaukee and Phoenix. If you had to give them one win condition, what would those win conditions be? One for each team. A win condition that stands out among the rest. What do you think both teams have to do to win this series? Number one. Okay, so Milwaukee. um, I would say they have to win the boards. Because Devin Booker has obviously stepped up his postseason rebounding numbers. Six boards a game is pretty solid for a shooting guard. Six and a half at that. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Uh, obviously, I guess what we talked about, DeAndre Ayton's going to get 12 or 13 every time. And there's plenty of times this postseason he got 15 or 16. But that was also against the Clippers, who play small ball all the time. So I think for Milwaukee, they've got to win the boards. For Phoenix, I would say, I don't know. It's all defense in my head for Phoenix because... I mean, if they they pretty much are going to have to double Giannis at all times, but then they are island somewhere, like they're. But I don't know. I don't know what I would say if this was Phoenix. I guess just trying a almost a bend don't break mentality on defense. Like they're going to have to give up buckets somewhere, but it, it depends on who you're giving it up to. Yeah, I agree. Those are good. Mine are slightly different. I'm going to have to say my win condition for Milwaukee is that you have to trust Chris Middleton. And I don't think that's too hard for them to do, considering what he's been doing this postseason. But I think, above all else, you need to trust Chris Middleton. And if he doesn't, if he shoots 28% from the field in game one, I think you still trust him. You still go to him, and you still show him that he can be that guy. I think for Phoenix... I think their biggest win condition is to not settle. I think the shots they take need to be open ones, and I think they need to be good ones because Milwaukee's not going to let you get very many of them. No, they will not. They, they are they not. close on those corners where Phoenix shoots their threes so fast. They've got, they've got fast big men like P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis that are going to close out the corners. You have got to get your shots open and you've got to find them and you've got to hit them it's one thing to find them it's another thing to hit them and i think if phoenix can hit their open shots on this amazingly defensive team i think they'll win the series but i think they can't settle for they can't settle for like what the hawks did with trey young shooting nine or ten 30 plus footers a game that's not how you're going to win the nba finals not at all. that's why they lost because and trey was injured too and they still were like all right trey take 30 shots yeah. on a on one leg. I agree. The Suns, I think this is where the age is going to show for the Suns. Can McHale and uh, Cam Johnson and Booker and Aiton, can they hit shots that they've been hitting? I mean, obviously they've hit them so far, but the finals is different. It is different than every other playoff series you're ever going to play in. It is a different breed, and if they can hit shots here, they're going to hit them anywhere. This is truly the series of their life. 100%. What, they're all... Mikel Bridges is the oldest of the four. He's like 26. Well, besides Chris Paul. Well, the four young ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Jay Crowder will be big for them, I think. I think if he can kind of keep them corralled and, like, in their head, like, keep them calm, 
Yeah. It's not a really good chance. Chris Paul and Jay Crowder's vet, veter, veteran, veteran, veteran ship. Is that a word? That's not a word. No way. No. Veteran leadership. Veteran leadership. There it is. There you go. They're going to guide them to the win, but Milwaukee is no easy task. They do not go away. I, I really didn't think Milwaukee was going to have it this year. I kind of underestimated how important Drew Holiday yeah. would be that team because yeah. I Milwaukee has disappointed everybody time to time again. Yeah. And I was officially I just like, they're not going to do it with Giannis. Milwaukee okay. proved us wrong. You add the third piece of the big three. You get that big three. There you go. It's a big three league. You, you could almost do. call it a big four because having those three and Brooke Lopez like help. Like, Brooke Lopez not having to be a third option, but can be a very good fourth. I mean, what's he averaging in the playoffs right now? What's Thirteen and a half. I mean, come on. So uh, It's not a big four. I mean, not necessarily, but it matters. I mean, what are they, I mean, what, those four players account for probably 85, 90 of their points? Yeah, about 82. Yeah, so... But you have, to, you have to think that having Brooke Lopez spreads the floor even more. In, in order for Giannis to do what he does. Because if they didn't have a center that could shoot, then Giannis probably wouldn't be able to get to the to the basket as easy. That's probably why I throw him on the three-point three line so often, because they know he can hit it. But also, Giannis is going to clog the paint hard every time. Yeah, he does. I think the thing, another here's a another win tactic for the Bucks. Don't let Giannis take... Fadeaway post jumpers. I don't think I've ever seen him hit one in my life. Yeah, and he takes he, like four or five a game. Yeah, I don't know who taught him that, but that dude needs the to wrong be fired. Person. The wrong that, person. Yeah, yeah, he needs to not do that. Allegedly, he worked out with Kobe, but Kobe didn't teach him how to shoot a fadeaway post jumper. I can no, tell you that right now. No, 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 that is disrespectful to Kobe. I agree, but man, if. If you're done talking, I'm done talking. I'm it's good. been like we got it out. wonderful, wonderful beginning episode of the Press Breaker Podcast. I really enjoyed how the first first one went. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Go check all you need to know out on the socials. They're the one that provided the equipment today. Appreciate that, Quinn. Go check Garrett out on the socials. Plug your socials. Do whatever you got to uh, do. It's pretty much Garrett Howe on any social. There will be some underscores. I don't tweet much, but maybe I should get back into it. Maybe I'll get the Press Breaker Twitter yeah, rolling again. Press Breaker Twitter press back up. Got it. Uh, and we will... I'll get back on the Twitter, and we will update on the exact time episodes will be coming out. It's the first episode. We haven't really cleared that up yet. We'll kind of get it rolling here and talk to Quinn the Boss Man. Kind of get it yeah. going. Hey, uh, he hates it when I call him that. Yeah, but. he gets what I have to call me the boss. <laughs> We don't get paid. Enough, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, guys, at ArsenXL. Uh, subscribe to me on YouTube. That's dead, but, you know, Arsenal TV one. You got a chance to plug yourself to it. Shout out to my Instagram, ArsenalOnYT. Follow the personal, MacNelson underscore. And, yeah, guys, have a great day. Watch the game. It's going to be a good one. And, uh, hopefully, we will be back next week to highlight Whatever's going on with the NBA Finals. Maybe it's Brooke Lopez with a 61-point game. Who knows? Imagine. Who knows? Imagine. And, uh, yeah, be safe, guys. Take it easy. And uh, thanks for watching. See you next week.